Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain was this month's episode of our Woman in Supply Chain series, and I was joined by the incredible Selena Urbanowski. Alina is a supply chain leader. She's a startup advisor. She sold one of her companies for 10 times the valuation to Flexport, and she creates so much impact in the supply chain community in a variety of different ways. You may have heard from her before because she's been on our Blended podcast as well, talking about her experience in the Canadian Armed Forces. And I encourage you to go and listen to that episode. And I was really excited to talk to her more on this episode about her journey in supply chain, plus her advice for women and leaders within the industry. It's a jam-packed episode. We talk so much. Um, I always love talking to Syl. So I hope you enjoyed it. But remember that if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 331. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Onboard new EDI trading partners in days, not months, with Orderful. Orderful provides a modern EDI platform that is displacing legacy on-premise and managed service solutions. Stop building point-to-point solutions. If you are a retailer, manufacturer, logistics provider, or technology company, you can build a single integration to Orderful's API, and Orderful will validate, translate, and communicate transactions to all of your trading partners. Orderful customers are onboarding new trading partners 80% faster, resulting in increased revenue and lower overall EDI costs. To modernize your EDI infrastructure, visit Orderful, O-R-D-E-R-F-U-L dot com and speak to an EDI expert today. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Today I'm joined by a high volume, high throughput woman-owned logistics company that specializes in contract logistics with expertise in the apparel, footwear, and consumer goods industries. They are a super exciting brand with values that really align with my own. But who are they? Well, I'm going to reveal them after the poll of the week. So the question that we asked you, did you get any professional degree to work in supply chain? 50% of you said university degree, 35% of you said courses and work experience, 11% of you said college degree, and uh, 5% of you said other in the comments. Tom says, I was born into supply chain operations. Love that. Cassandra, other. I had a degree in psychology, and when I got burned of that, got my MBA when working at the university, worked it off so I didn't have to pay for it, then landed in a logistics role as my next job. So yes, to a university degree, but I didn't do it with supply chain specifically in mind. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Sam, family was stationed in Charleston, South Carolina, a port city, so I did the intermodal logistics program at the College of Charleston since I lived 10 minutes drive on James Island. I love that. 
Philip, I recently pulled our supply chainers and if they had an education background in the field and roughly 55% did not. So now here we're learning more about the 45% who do love this. Khalil, CIPS program, Porsche, diploma in business administration, major supply chain management. Alma, supply chain certification should be an option as part of the poll. I agree with you on that one because that's mostly what I have, although I do have a diploma in international trade. Uh, Per says, last mile delivery when less than 10 years old, delivering fresh milk to the doorstep. It didn't require any degree. Just logical thinking and hands-on practice to becoming a logistician. Kathleen started working in supply chain before I even graduated high school. I am with you, Kathleen. I did the same. I was filing at a logistics firm, but you know always in the experience. Kevin, I was given an opportunity to start my career without a degree, but given the layoffs, I took the advantage to enroll back into school for my Bachelor's of Business Administration of pre-global supply chain management. I love all of that. Thank you so much to everybody who took the time to comment and be part of our poll of the week. Remember that we ask you a question every single Wednesday morning. So come back, participate, get into conversations with your peers and find out more about how we're thinking and feeling not only about the industry, but also about our personal and professional lives. Now back to today's episode and which collaborative and sustainability focused logistics brand is joining me today? Well, it's Renewal Logistics. Renewal Logistics is an e-commerce fulfillment and third-party logistics company with a specialty in apparel and consumer goods. Partnering with eco-friendly brands that have outgrown in-house fulfillment and require flexible and scalable on-demand solutions. Today, Courtney Folk, CEO and co-founder of Renewal Logistics, joins me to chat all about the company, how fulfillment and logistics are changing, creating exceptional brand experiences, and how they are leading the circular movement through processing returns from your favorite national retailers. Before we dive in, let's find out a little bit more about Courtney. So Courtney is the co-founder and CEO of Renewal Logistics, a full-service 3PL and largest independent apparel restoration company in the U.S., providing wholesale, retail, and e-commerce fulfillment, Amazon FBA prep, and value-added services, such as reticketing, returns, and refurbishment at scale in an 85,000-square-foot dry cleaning facility. Renewal is the leading destination for the fashion industry, serving the world's largest brands. And Courtney has 20 years of experience in apparel logistics that began in her family's dry cleaning business, which she transformed into the preeminent logistics leader in the industry. Renewal currently operates three locations in the Southeast and has a bench of 2,500 team members. Courtney is a graduate of Charleston Southern University in Charleston, South Carolina. So welcome to the show, Courtney. Thank you. So excited to be here. I am so excited to have you on the show. I mean, everyone knows how much I love to put the spotlight on women-owned businesses, especially ones as successful as yours. Plus, you're passionate about sustainability, about partnerships, about collaboration. And if I had to imagine my ideal guest, I'm sure it would be someone like you. Plus, you were recently on the Blended Podcast as well. And I just cannot wait to find out more about 
about you, about Renewal Logistics and how you're making waves in the industry. So let's start with your founder story because establishing a logistics company as a woman 17 years ago, I mean, I've been in the industry over 20 years. I mean, I can only imagine what that was like. So talk to us about your background and how Renewal Logistics came about. Sure. Um, It's a very kind of meandering story. I'll try to keep it short. (laughs) Um, But so um, our our business is actually 50-50 between me and my husband. So it is woman-owned, but it's also, it's not only women-owned. So I just wanted to make that clear. But Mm -hmm. um, so we actually started, I was a sales rep for Altel, which is now Verizon, um, 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, right out of college. And my husband was a chemist for the state law enforcement division. And in South Carolina, and we both hated our jobs. And his parents were in the dry cleaning business, and they had four little itty bitty dry cleaning stores. And um, we were like, "What are we going to do? We can't work for these. We can't work here. We can't do this anymore." So he um, he went and worked for the family business first, and then we, when we got engaged um, in like August, late August. Um, Two days after that, <laughs> I went into work. You know, we got engaged on a Saturday. Monday, I went in, and I was like, I'm putting in my two weeks notice. I'm going to go work for the family business. Ah. And, and they were like, really? You're really going to do that? And I was like, yes, I am. I cannot wait to do it. It's going to be awesome to be able to work with my husband. And um, so, you know, we were in the dry cleaning business, um, really started looking for ways to expand that quickly and like with a high growth, you know, velocity swing and started thinking about, you know, how can we 10x the volume that we have per customer? Mm-hmm. So in the dry cleaning world, it's like four units a customer. Okay. And we realized with the same equipment and skill set that we had, we could get into the insurance restoration world and clean huh. apparel and and fabric items in customers' homes who had experienced a house fire and help them get their lives back together. Oh, wow. So we did that. And it was, we leveraged technology that no one else was using. And we created some pretty amazing um, structure and very quickly became the largest restoration dry cleaning company in the U.S. that's independent. So there's some franchises, but um, in terms of like facilities, we have, you know, an 85,000 square foot dry cleaning facility, another 30,000 square foot dry cleaning facility thereabouts. So um, quickly grew. Um, and, and then in 2013, we were approached by an apparel company, like a top three apparel company, who had this issue that they could not find anyone in the U.S. to solve for them. They had 300,000 pairs, uh, like units of clothing that were, um, that had to be cleaned before they could be sold. And they had two weeks to ship those, those units to the wholesaler. And it was the largest wholesaler. It was one of the largest wholesalers in the U S. So it was like this huge relationship and huge deal because they had no time to get these order, these, you know, these orders turned around and, um, they had no other solution, so they gave us a shot, but they didn't really feel like we were going to be able to do it. They were like, who are these young kids coming into our facility right. talking about how they can clean all these items when no one else can do it? How Why is it that they can? Um, but, you know, we, we signed that deal on Monday, and by Wednesday, we were producing 27,000 units, and um, we had two shifts going of 200 temp workers. First time we had ever worked with temps before. <laughs> we built a whole facility 
literally in two days, I had all of my contractor friends come in and put in rails um, so that we, we had production space and we actually finished that project two days early, um, a hundred percent on time and full. (laughs) And it was extremely complex It you know, apparel items usually will have like stickers that say the size as well as hang tags. Mm -hmm. And then they have to be poly bagged and then they have to go in boxes and mix skew case packs. And it was just all these details And um, the company that was receiving all these goods was known for predatory chargebacks. Well, I wouldn't say predatory, but I would say very stiff chargebacks. Let me just say it like that. And um, so they were just sure, number one, that they were still going to lose the account. Number two, that when they got the goods, there were still going to be tons of problems. Um, But it was perfect. They had zero complaints. No one said a word (laughs) when those things went into into that account. And they were, you know, they were in like 800 stores across the U.S. And so... They were like, well, if you can do this, what else can you do? And they were like, we hate 3PLs. We can never find one that will actually do what they say they're going to do. They all tell you they'll do everything and then they never execute. But you guys clearly can execute. So, um, you know, let's build a relationship and let's see what else we can do. So we started doing basically anything in their facility that they didn't have the manpower or the bandwidth or process to touch and handle. They would just hand it to us and say, here's how we've dealt with it in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, so now, and then like four years into that relationship, they asked us to put a facility right next to theirs and become their dedicated return center. Wow. So we now handle like, um, about a hundred thousand units a week of value added services, which was anything between FBA prep and like wholesale prep, getting goods ready to go to like urban outfitters or, or whoever, um, as well as we do a couple million units a year in returns. And then we have, and that's just for that one customer. And then we have about 10 other enterprise level customers now at this point, we do all kinds of things. So like point of purchase display, kitting and packing, um, Costco display pallet builds. We also have about 25 fulfillment customers that are, you know, smaller to medium size, like they're not global brands, but they're still mid market, larger brands. And, and then some that are really small, but, um, and so that's kind of been our story um, to get to where we are. And then we were really just pretty happy with the way things were in our client mix. We were we grew word of mouth 100% for our whole life up until COVID wow. hit. And um, mm-hmm. one of our customers sold off some of their brands. And it just made us really kind of feel like, you know, th- with the volatility, you never know what a global company is going to do yeah. and how you could kind of get, you know, be affected by that. So we just decided to start growing and um, to kind of decrease our customer concentration with one customer or, you know, I guess at that point it was like four customers that were about that size. And so, and then we were like, well, if we're going to grow, we might as well just, you know, go all out and see how fast we can grow. So we brought on some really great advisors and we were Good. really structuring some pretty cool things that I think are, you know, and in the business, there's, you know, usually a one or two big and bulky companies that can handle big and bulky, one or two frozen food companies. And there's really not an apparel company that's out there that can do everything. And, and so that's really kind of the what we're trying to do. Yes, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I mean, it's just amazing how we get into our businesses and what that looks like and the journey to get there. And if that one company hadn't have called you to say, hey, can you do this? I mean, look at how much it has resulted in for you as as far as like additional business with them and then growing the business. So my one takeaway to the audience from that from that story is don't turn away 
anything. You never know where it could oh, go. Yeah. Right? That's so true. You know, that is so true. And I think as women, that's a that's something, you know, women get hit on a lot, right? Like you're, and so mm-hmm. you're always like, no, no, no. But you you have to be careful about that. You have to be careful to not to not turn down opportunities and then also mm-hmm. not turn down people that are willing to help, you know? Yeah. So like, I, I definitely think that's a great takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. So you've touched on, you know, um, your founder story. You touched on a little bit about the market and what happened through COVID, right? Or the pandemic. What about now? Because I think the worlds of e-commerce fulfillment, logistics and sustainability look very different now to how they did when you founded Renewal, and then obviously post-pandemic as well. So talk to us about the landscape as it is right now. How have things kind of changed? What are some of the challenges that you're seeing in the industry right now? So um, I don't know if you've seen like Amazon has apparel brands that are in-house apparel brands at this point. Fulfillment is really like apparel has always been something that people would buy, like they buy the basics, underwear, socks and things. But now apparel online, like for, you know, you can't even go to a store to buy it is becoming, is, is just becoming a very large segment of the marketplace. And it always has been, but it's just changed a lot to where the buying, you know, habits of people have, have become where once you kind of know a brand and you know your size, you'll kind of stick with it and you'll buy online a lot. Well, um, so I think that the, I think the thing that is kind of different now than it was before is returns. Um, returns is something that most brands that are, you know, doing much e-commerce business are struggling with trying to figure out how are they going to handle it in the right way. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a solid sustainability and like reverse logistics program in place, um, you know, you end up just kind of ditching a lot of product and not, not really receiving the value out of it. And so, mm-hmm. um, that's a big difference. I think the other thing that's a really big difference that I think you'll probably start seeing um, in the future even more is ESG ratings are becoming a really big deal when it comes to being able to get investment funds. Mm, yeah. So companies that have like a solid ESG program, um, they're basically, they've got their act together and companies look at them and think, you know, investment companies look at them and think that they have a lot less risk um, mm-hmm. in their investment and they actually have a better return. They have about a six and a half percent better return. So, wow. um, a lot of companies are starting to move toward those types of programs and the ESG is environmental, um, sustainability, um, and governance programs. Right. So, um, you know, I think those are some ways that things have really changed. And of course, technology is changing a lot. Mm-hmm. Robots are coming in. Yeah. Um, and you know, big data is helping to be able to, the systems are getting better in terms mm-hmm. of warehouse management. Absolutely. So talk to us. Um, you've already mentioned a few of the things that you do at Renewal Logistics, but walk us through all the things that you do at Renewal Logistics so we can get a good understanding of how you help your customers. So we have different solutions for different sized organizations. Um, obviously, for the enterprise brands, you know, we're looking at how to help them become more omni-channel. Okay. So they have a deal with Walmart and Walmart shrinks their shelf space. What are they going to do with that excess product? Well, they can send it through our facility and we can take off all the hang tags and rebrand it for them and reprice it for them. So then they can sell it to target. That's actually, we just did a, a project like that a couple of days ago for, um, mm-hmm. for one of our customers or, you know, um, like I was talking about before returns refurbishment. So we've got a customer who had, you know, a million panties that came back from a retailer wow 
And, and they were like, you know, if I put these in TJ Maxx or Target or, or excuse me, TJ Maxx or Marshall's, um, I'm going to, you know, dilute my brand. So I can't donate them. I don't know what to do. So what we did, we ended up repackaging them into five packs and, and built a, a display for them so that they could actually be sold back to the exact same retailer again Wow! Uh, for the same price. It's just, they were bundled in a five pack. And, um, so like a lot of inventory management, like moving inventory, helping companies to be able to move inventory faster, um, to be able to, if there is a return or there's something, if something falls through with the deal or something just doesn't work out, things don't ship in time. And so the orders get canceled. How do you, how do you still move that inventory and not just have to sit on it? Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's huge right now. I mean, if we think about coming out of the pandemic, there was a ton of inventory that everybody just kind of over ordered. Right. And mm -hmm. that companies still are sitting on potentially right now. And so ways to be able to maneuver that and be able to resell it and still keep some of that revenue in the business is huge. Like that's really, really big. Yeah, you know, bundling. Um, so like inventory management 101 is, um, you know, uh, gift with purchase or right. um, sales, you know, like if you get this item, then we'll give you the slower moving item for 50% off or there's so many different ways you can bundle things. And, um, and the repackaging piece is just a big, a big part of that. A lot of companies just never really think about how much agility they could have in the marketplace if they had a, a really good option when it came to that repackaging piece. And that's, it's yeah. hard to do. Um, we came from a business that's super, you know, super picky customers, an item in the dry cleaning facility is going to touch 13 hands before it ever makes it to a customer. So we had that kind of micromanagement of mm -hmm. processes and people in place kind of in our ingrained in our system. Yeah. So it's easy for us to do it, but it's, you know, there's not, I think there's, you know, there's two other companies that I know of that do some of it, but none of it handle it at the scale that we do. So that's, that's what we do for enterprise customers. And then for like mid-market customers, um, I, and this is what I'm most excited about right now is, so we deal with customers who have high-end items, right? So like we've got a customer that we're, that we have right now that is, um, when, when they came to us, they were like a $45 million company. Um, their average price point was around $450, $425 maybe. And, um, you know, 5% of their goods were returns and damage to the point to where they couldn't actually be sold again. Wow. They were having um, alignment issues with their systems so that they were having all kinds of canceled orders. And then, you know, in apparel, dim weight is a big thing. Checking your dim weight to make sure it aligns yeah. with your actual weight. And so mm -hmm. the solutions we were able to bring to them, they were, I don't know what their profit margin is, but like, let's say it's 20%. That's a $9 million margin. Um, mm -hmm. But we were able to actually bring them. So their issues were probably about 5 or $6 million. And then if, you know, 50% of that is what was what our target is, is to be able to recover that for them. So right. we're basically giving them an extra 40% on their bottom line, wow. um, simply by the solutions that we kind of offer with our retail, with our, excuse me, our, um, our, you know, dry cleaning facility and wet cleaning facility. So and that process is really like, you know, looking at the item, um, if it has a, you know, makeup stain or what, what has to be done to it and being able to take those tags off, process it, and then be able to, to resell it as factory fresh. And we actually brought in a bunch of equipment from Italy to be able to fold things factory fresh. So um, those are some of the things that are that we're kind of working on right now. And then we're working with some retailers on some brand incubation 
mm-hmm. you know, helping the small companies figure out how to get into a 3PL and figure out the whole supply chain piece. So Amazing. Now, yeah. those stories really show the power and the impact of partnering with the right people, right? And Renewal Logistics, from these stories that you're sharing with us and these examples, I mean, they're amazing, but they showcase how when you partner with the right people and they really understand your business, what it actually means to your bottom line. What it means as an extension to your business to find the right partner and collaborate with the right people um, and so much more. So in saying that, and you've talked about a couple of different segments of customer, who is your ideal client? So if I'm listening to this and I'm like, wow, I want them as a partner, what do I look like? That's a great question. Um, so, I mean, you know, we don't want, like we get calls every day on our web- and website inquiries and yeah. I think, I think what we think is, you know, something someone told me a while back that I just think is just a beautiful thing is it doesn't cost anything to be significant, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so where can you really make a difference for someone? And those are the customers that we just get really juiced about are the ones where we can really help them a lot. And, and really it boils down to apparel companies and footwear companies. So if you have leather goods, a lot of leather goods end up having mold issues or odor issues or Mm -hmm. rework issues. And, um, so, uh, any brand that that's, that's got a leather, leather element, um, could really benefit from using a company like ours. And then, then all those like disaster situations where you're like, Mm -hmm. like we had a customer, the front page of their catalog was a hundred thousand units of puffer jackets with a fur collar on it. Those items came in and they were covered in mold and they had five days to be able to get those, to be able to ship out to their customers. I mean, it was like disaster calamity for them. And we were able to, to get everything done for them so that they didn't miss a beat. And then they were calm and they they weren't stressed out about it this whole time. So, you know, I think customers who have products that are in the apparel space with a high skew count companies that have really high return rates, 30%, 40, 50% um, companies who have like high dollar value items. um, Those are all like really good fits for our company and anyone that has that really wants to do a lot of bundling and and really make their brand omni-channel. And and by that, I mean like a company may, when, when they bring product in from Asia or wherever they're importing it, um, they're going to bring in a certain amount that's on hangers and then a certain amount that's going to be packed for e-com and poly bags and there's, it's really expensive if you have your retail people repacking those things and to ship mm-hmm. out for an e-com or order, especially if you're doing drop shipping for right. like a large drop ship order. So having someone who can kind of be that intermediary to, to manage that and do it really effectively and cleanly and inexpensively um, is, is really helpful. Um, so those are some of the big places, um, that we are, I think really helpful. And then for small brands, like the ones that are really trying to figure out wholesale for that first time. And, um, you know, the whole hang, you know, the compliance piece is just really challenging for a lot of companies and, and actually for even large companies, like one of our global brands, they, they asked us, they were failing in compliance with, um, one of their top customers and, they asked us to help them and they went from being an F to a, a B in terms of their vendor grade wow. um, within six months because we started kind of managing that and auditing it for them and Amazing. doing all the work for them to make sure it was clean. 
Amazing. Now, one of the things that has been more popular over the last couple of years is subscription boxes. I hear that you have a subscription box program. Can you just give us a bit of an overview of what that looks like and, and what you do? I mean, when you're a supply chain professional and you think about a subscription box and all the different components that go into it, you're kind of like your head spins, right? But these are the things that you live for. Oh, yeah. We absolutely love them. We love them. It's like so exciting. So, it's a very, it's a, I'll simplify the process for you. Um, you receive the goods, you count the goods to make sure you have enough to actually fill all the orders. You segregate the goods by um, SKU, and then you build a process plan. How many boxes are you going to need? Um, how are you going to organize it at the tables for people to be able to pick and pack it? And normally you have um, a certain number. You, so if you have a subscription service, you know how many customers you're going to have each month, basically. Right. You're going to have new ones mm -hmm. sign up, but mm -hmm. you kind of have an idea of what that number is going to be. So you pull your first order um, and you go ahead and fill all of those and ship them out. And then a couple of days later, you'll you know pick and pack for all the other orders. And it's really not that much different than regular pick and pack. Like, I mean, that's what you're doing, but you're doing it in a very concentrated way. Mm -hmm. And then you're adding some extra details to make it, you know, pretty and marketable. So there's a great unboxing experience. So, you know, you build, you, you look at it, you time study it, you figure out kind of, okay, what's going to be the best flow. And, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, you make sure that you have people who know what they're doing and who have handled subscription boxes before mm -hmm. to do the kidding. And, it just kind of flows. So I have I have experience in subscription boxes. We won't go into details of that. But one of the things that was the hardest thing to manage was the inventory. Because each month they got to pick what went into their subscription box. And you never knew what they were going to pick. And so if you didn't have enough product online, it was a nightmare because you were like, oh, you might have to swap, swap something out for this month. Do you ever run into that? Or do you really only deal with companies that have, you know, the same things that go out to the same people every month? So we do deal with that, but we normally deal with that for the first, you know, handful of months. So like one, one thing mm -hmm. I think that's kind of, anytime you have alignment with a strategic partner, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's a feedback conversation, right? It's like, okay, here's what, here's what's really working. Here's what's not, here's what we probably need to work on. And so that is something that we try to help companies get to the point to where, okay, okay if you're giving options, you know, let's look at the numbers and figure out how many of, you know, what, what we should actually do. But a lot of times you do, those companies will start kind of <laughs> making that a little less complicated just to be, right. to be, you know, nice to themselves <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because it is a lot. Um, but you know, like there's a lot of ways to do it. So like, let's say that you have four items are going to be the same in every single box, but you're going to also send a t-shirt and you have a different size range for all oh, the different people yes. who are part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can do the picking of the boxes and get those ready. And it is an extra touch, but, um, you know, from a time management perspective, sometimes it's just best to at that point, just go back and plug in the right t-shirt. So there, there mm. are different strategies you can use to, yeah. um, to shorten that, um, that cycle. But 
yeah, it can definitely be complicated. Oh, it was complicated. Let me tell you, <laughs> I no longer do it. So it's okay. <laughs> Although I do have an idea for a subscription box in supply chain. And so I think I'm going to have to come to you. But anyways, oh, that's, awesome. that's a conversation for a whole nother day. Um, <laughs> you mentioned returns um, a little bit earlier in this uh, conversation. And I know that we also touched on sustainability. And returns really have a huge effect on circularity, right? We talk mm -hmm. about circular supply chains. Returns are a really big component of that. Obviously, the reusability of the product and what that looks like. Talk to us about how important that is and how you help your customers with the returns and really help them to think about the circular part of that. Instead of it going into waste, how do we get that back into, I don't know, production or the way that you do it by you know, stripping it and making it something else to be for somebody else or another retailer. Talk to us about that because I think that that's really important and something that a lot of companies are looking for right now. So I think with sustainability, um, so you have two things. You have the landfill piece, you know, goods going into landfill. You also have all of the time and transit that happens. So once something goes to a customer and then all of a sudden you're bringing it back, if, if a brand is bringing it back to a return center and then they're refurbishing it and then it's going to go back to a distribution center, all of a sudden it's had two separate legs, right? Right. So... Um, a big part of like having the right reverse logistics strategy is looking at what, like just looking at the segment of your return. So like, are you, do you have a high return rate? Do you not have a high return rate? If you have, if, if you have a 1% return rate, you can do that. You can have it at a, a third party location and they can um, sell it off or donate it or whatever it is that you want to do. But if you have a high return rate, you really want to have that co-located with your 3PL so that you can quickly get it back into inventory. And, and then that's going to take off a huge piece of that. Because what I find from apparel brands all the time is they'll be in the big box um, 3PLs and they're like, I've got $40,000 in merchandise just sitting in the corner that they just don't know what to do with. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I've got 14 pallets of goods that are sitting on our dock that um, no one can figure out what, what should happen next. So you really need someone who can, like as a brand or even a retailer, you want you want partners who can just kind of walk you through the process and give you, you know, here's the 10 questions we need to ask to figure out what plug and play solution you kind of need, because mm -hmm. it is a very simple, you know, you're going to have the, you're going to, you're going to evaluate it. You're going to see if it's sellable again as new or not. Right. If, if not, then can you sell it at a discount in the value chain? If not, can you donate it? If not, should you recycle it? So there's this disposition piece where you have to figure out, how you're going to dispose of these items. And by dispose, I just mean, you know, figure out what the next step in the cycle is going to be. And then you have to do an evaluation based on what the cost is going to be to refurbish and what the cost is going to be for that item to be able to be resold. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a little bit of math in there, but then at that point, it's just kind of mapping out where you want these items to go whenever you have certain scenarios. And, um, and you know, it's, it's not that complicated, um, but it, it does require extra time and attention. And so with us being a, an apparel company that's been in the refurbishment business for 20 years, like um, we just kind of know whether something's going to clean up or not. And so you don't really want to end up kind of being a guinea pig for, for a company. Right. Um, but so I think I lost the point of what you had asked about. Like, so 
How does it play into circularity? Was that? Yeah. And I think you really did answer the question. I think it also goes back to the example that you gave us around repackaging, right? That example that you gave us about the million panties that they had that they didn't know what to do with. And you really came to the table as Renewal Logistics and said, well, wait a second. If we package it like this and we put them in a bundle of five, you can then resell them and the the um, retailer will take it back and potentially sell them or you could sell them to another retailer, etc. But repackaging it and making it look, you know, that much more sellable, saleable to uh, a retailer is also part of that journey. And I think mm -hmm. the questions that you're talking about, the questions that you're ask, asking the customer um, to think about really helps to get you to the place where you can think outside of the box because they're very mm -hmm. in the business, right? And if they partner with somebody who is like a renewal logistics that has the experience in it, can think outside of the box and come up with some of these solutions that can turn this into a circular supply chain solution is just amazing because sometimes we get too caught up in ESG goals right? How am I going to get there? Carbon offsets, you know, carbon footprint, all of that kind of stuff. But really, there's a lot that can be done in the last mile and in the reverse logistics from packaging, repackaging. Um, how do we get this stuff back on the market? Can we get it back on the market? Here's your options. Let's not throw it in the garbage, right? Mm -hmm. Let's make the most out of the options that are available to you. And sometimes they just don't know. You only know what you know until exactly. you can talk to somebody like you that is, has done it before. And that's the thing I think is like, um, so I had someone ask me the other day, what's my big challenge when it comes to going to market? And that, mm -hmm. that challenge is opening people's minds to what is possible if you just mm -hmm. have the right partnership, right? It's like what you said earlier, like partnerships are really important and they're important for so many reasons, but the education piece and what they can bring in terms of new ideas for sure. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, like, it's so amazing to me how much money companies are leaving on the table and in so many different ways. So, like, it's not just that we can clean these items and repackage them, but even the simple stuff that other 3PLs can also do if they just put the time and the attention in, right. like, getting systems to sync properly. You know, mm -hmm. if you're having if you're having alignment issues with your ERP and the WMS and your marketplace, I mean, like there's something wrong there. Why hasn't anyone taken the time to fix right. that for you? You know, like they got you 90% there so they yeah. could check the box and they'd have you in as a customer. And then you're stuck mm -hmm. dealing with all these manual processes after that. And it's like, why didn't they just go and spend that extra 10% of energy mm -hmm. to get it right and get you truly across the finish line? So th those are the mm -hmm. types of things too, that I think are really important. But yeah, I think I kind of trailed off there. But like from a sustainability standpoint, the amount of money that companies leave on the table is just absolutely insane. And then not only that, but the social stories, right? So like, um, let's say that you have like, when we were in the business, the dry cleaning business, we did coats for the coatless. So like, we'd have all this excess inventory that would sit for years in our building. Right. And you would, you know, what a great social story to be able to give mm -hmm. coats to people that are that need them in the wintertime. And same thing with electronics, like companies that are in the electronics business can, you know, you provide 5,000 laptops to people who can't get online. And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. you've made a huge difference in so many yeah. people's lives, you know. So, like, I think that's the other thing that's really exciting about sustainability and circularity to me is that there's 
an opportunity for people to have access to things that they never had before. And all of a sudden that brand can really take that and run with it. And a a great example of that, um, a very high end shoe brand had um, a bunch of defects that came through. And and I think it was about 5,000 pairs that we were looking at. And these were rain boots and, you know, they were looking at just, you know, shredding them and turning them back into rubber. Hmm. And we were able to provide like a solution for them. Like, okay, here's all the things that, if you did this, this could be your social story. And these are the types of posts you could make and, you know, gave examples of that. And they actually implemented that program and it was wow. a great program for them. And um, now all of a sudden they have a re-commerce program and, you know, a lot of companies have always felt like, well, if I do that, then, you know, my customers that are paying full price are going to pay less, but actually it's almost a completely different customer segment that you're talking yeah. to at that point. Yeah, that's such a good point. I think the other thing that we also haven't touched on is things like this, partnering with like a renewal logistics to think outside of the box in a variety of different ways in your supply chain can be a really big competitive advantage, right? Well, yeah. I mean, so like, it's so funny. Um, I think our two big things that we tell every customer is that number one, we want to bring you relief. So if you're dealing with like a really stressful situation, we want to take that stress off of you. And then as soon as we get all of those tactical stressful situations worked out, we want to become your secret, your your secret weapon, right? So like, you know, it's it's because I heard someone say that a while back and I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what we want to be for our customers. And that's what we are because again, uh, other people don't know that these services are out there and that these opportunities are out there to be able to quickly move product from one place to another. And, you know, it's an opportunity for a lot of like middle mid market brands that don't have that learning yet to mm-hmm. be able to kind of implement the strategies that the global brands are using. Um, it's so and, true. and that's just like an amazing thing, right? Like it's so true. Yeah. I love that. And it brings everybody back to kind of a little bit of a level playing field, right? Cause sometimes you look at the Goliaths and you're like, how am I supposed to compete with them? But we need those medium size, those small to medium size retailers and we want them to succeed And there's a variety of different ways that they can. It's just really about implementing different strategies, different tactics, different partnerships. So talk to me Mm -hmm. about the future of Renewal Logistics. What is exciting in the hopper? What can we expect to see? Uh, Well, um, we have a new facility in the works. Um, So that's one thing. We're going to have some excess space coming up that we'll be able to start filling, which I'm super excited about that. Um, I think we're also going to really be working a lot more on developing medium and small business solutions so that it's easy for companies and frictionless for companies to get started and they can do a lot more self-servicing with the 3PL than, you know, what they've had the ability to do in the past. And, um, just overall, I think we're really just still trying to spread our word about like what we what we do well and how we can help people and finding those people that, that really do need and could value, could really, you know, see a value from the services that we offer. I'm a really, I'm one of those people. I don't like the idea of selling a blue suit to everybody. I really only want to right. sell a blue suit to someone who needs a blue suit. <laughs> so, you know, um, mm-hmm. And, and I think what we're trying to do with that is just provide a lot of education. So mm-hmm. we're getting ready to start some really cool things online that are um, educational that I, I can't really say too much about because we're about to do a press release on it. But 
um, you can look forward to that soon. Yay. And um, yeah, yeah. So those are those are some of the things that are happening. We're doing a lot of collaborations, and we're we're working a lot with um, not just the brands, but also the retailers, and kind of becoming the retailer strategic partner to help all of their brands to be able to do all of the um, the compliance that's necessary for their companies. So those awesome. are kind of all the different things that we're working on right now. I love to hear that so much. I mean, honestly, there was probably so much more I could I could ask you and we could talk for hours. So we'll have to have you back on the show or maybe even thoughts and coffee. You know, we have been oh, operating in turbulent times, but now it's a new year with new goals. Sustainability, exceptional customer service and brand experience, new technology and scaling against the unique backdrop of globalization. There's a lot to tackle, but Renewal Logistics can help. They're part, they partner with today's leading brands to build custom fulfillment solutions and grow businesses fast. Their strategic approach and systems combine decades of collective industry expertise with state-of-the-art logistics services to deliver truly exceptional brand experiences for their range of small, medium, and large customers. If you want to find out more, you can check them out at RenewalLogistics.com. And a massive thanks to Courtney for joining me today and the team at Renewal Logistics for making this episode happen. Thanks so much, Courtney. Thank you, Sarah. It was great to be here. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com so you can check out the latest. But remember, if you have a supply chain challenge, we've most likely had the solution on our show. So head over to that search bar, put in the keyword, and all of that content will come up. And you can find out more about the solutions before you even get into their sales funnel. And remember to come back next week and we'll have two brand new episodes for you. In the first, I'll be joined by Morton from Gatehouse Maritime, a long-standing organization that delivers next-generation data insights for end-to-end -end ocean visibility. Morton is going to tell me all about the company that was founded way back in 1992, the challenging landscape of the maritime industry right now, using technology to support sustainability, championing digitalization, and the ocean trends to look out for in 2023. It's not to be missed. And the second new episode we have for you next week is Blended. And we're going to be talking about education bias, how it is impacting hiring practices and successful DEI programs within the workplace, and how ultimately it may be a big factor in harming the career progression of diverse members of our community. There's going to be a lot of meaningful discussion, I'm sure, as this is a topic that's close to my heart. So make sure that you do not miss the show. I will see you for a very busy week. Now, if you... 
enjoy our show. There's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Facebook. You can also follow us over on TikTok. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, Let's Talk Supply Chain, and subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. Plus, we have a brand new membership community called the Secret Society of Supply Chain. Now, we want you to head over to the landing page and fill out the quiz to find out which group, which membership group is right for you. Now, we have limited spots. We have huge giveaways. And so I encourage you to head over there, take the quiz, and uh, join the waitlist now. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.